The Word of God is food for the spirit and health to the body. Through the spirit of revelation, we are guided into the wisdom and deep mysteries in His Word that make our lives vibrant and productive. Welcome to the Makaifu Gospel Church Podcast. As you listen in, the glory of God will be quickened and activated in your life. And now, the Word. The message of this morning is called Hearts of Stone. Hearts of Stone. And this is only going to be an introduction. There's a lot that I would have shared, but I will not be able to. So this will be like a part one. Hearts of Stone. Hearts of Stone. Let's open our Bibles to Hebrews chapter 3. We'll read from verse 7 to 10. Then we'll skip to 12 to 13. And then we'll go unto verse 15. Hebrews chapter 3, we'll read from verse 7 to 10, and we'll read from verse 12 to 13, then we'll skip to verse 15. What it says, Wherefore, as the Holy Ghost saith, today, if you hear his voice, harden not your hearts as in the provocation. In the day of temptation in the wilderness, when your fathers tempted me and proved me, and saw my works forty years, wherefore I was grieved with that generation. And said, they do always err in their heart, and they have not known my ways. Take heed, brethren, lest there be any of you in an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. But exalt one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. While it is said today, if you hear his voice, Harden not your hearts as in the day of provocation. Praise the Lord. I'd like to firstly introduce this subject and talk about a generation of stony hearts. In one of the earliest conversations that we have recorded in the Bible between God and a man, we have God asking the question, where is your brother? And we have the man responding to God, am I my brother's keeper? Now, for you that may not understand just how heavy this statement was, I would liken it to a father asking his son, My son, have you seen my khakis? And the son responds, Is it me who keeps them for you? Now, in the Western culture, this child may be, they'll take away their phone, they'll not have ice cream for a month, but in Africa, you respond to a parent like that, you realize that, Sandals have two functions in Africa. We walk with them, but they're also used for warfare. African mothers are skilled. They can release the sandal in some way to return to them. It accomplishes and comes back. That's how heavy the response was. I want to look at the audacity. God as creation, Elohim, El Shaddai, Jehovah Rapha, whatever thing you want to say, he asks his creation, where is your brother? And creation has the audacity to ask God, am I my brother's keeper? This hardness of heart is something that crept in when man fell. Actually, this man was called Cain. When Cain, when Adam fell, there's a hardness of heart that crept into the world. And for very many people, actually, this hardness of heart, this stoniness, has been actually intensified by the experiences they go through, by the way that they are raised, by the challenges that they face in life. And we see this stoniness of heart all the way from Cain, all the way to some of the patriarchs, all the way to Israel, 
all the way to disciples. And we're going to realize that very many of us seated here today, if not all of us seated here today, have been diagnosed with stony heartitis, a condition where your heart is stony. Praise the Lord. But I pray that this morning, that even as the Bible says in Jeremiah, that the word of God is a fire and the word of God is a hammer that is able to break rocks. I pray that his word will achieve that very purpose this morning. By the end of this sermon, I pray that our hearts will be burning with fire for God. And I pray that our hearts will be relieved of that stony cage that is around them. So what does it mean to have a stony heart? And you can write this down. It means hardening. It means to cover with stone. It means to make callous. Okay? It's hardening. It's covering with stone. It is to make heart callous. It, is, it means hard to satisfy. Difficult to satisfy. And lastly, it means dulled spiritual perception. A stony heart is a heart that is hardened. A stony heart is a heart that is covered with stone. A stony heart is a heart that is callous. A stony heart is a heart that is very hard to satisfy. A stony heart is a heart that is dulled of spiritual perception. And I want us to take some lessons from the nation of Israel, from Pharaoh, and so on as the Lord will lead us. Now, the writer of the book of Hebrews, as we read, was telling them that today, if you hear the voice of God, do not do as your forefathers did in the wilderness. When they provoked God, when they tried him and they saw his works. And I want us to just look, do a sort of a study to see just exactly how this nation of Israel had stony hearts. We all know of how Israel found themselves in Egypt during the time of Joseph. Years flash forward, Joseph passes away. A pharaoh comes to power that did not know of the dealings of Joseph or the God of Joseph. And then he sees a certain nation within his country that are multiplying, that are very wealthy, that um, even look better than his own people. It's like you being in a having a nation and then you see foreigners in your land more prosperous than your own people, the, the natives of that land. So then he puts the nation of Israel under subjection. They cry out unto God for about 430 years or so. God finally hears them, and the Bible tells us that he delivered the nation of Israel out of Egypt with a mighty hand. And he performed 10 plagues or 10 miracles and signs in the nation of Egypt. The first one, was he turned water to blood. And I want you to be very alert this morning so that the, the, the word may minister to you. He turned water to blood from the river Nile and every single container that had water, the water turned to blood. I want you to look at this. From a chemical or molecular point of view, God had the ability to turn H2O into hemoglobin. He had the ability to turn water that molecular composition he turned it into something else he had the ability to turn water into blood could the same god have the ability to turn water into anything else he would agreed he then commanded frogs to cover the land i don't know where those frogs came from but they listened to the voice of yahweh wherever they were they gathered the frogs from africa 
the frogs from Kenya, the frogs from TZ, the frogs from Nigeria, Nigerian-speaking frogs. They say, oh yeah, there's a miracle happening in Egypt. Let's go now. They all gathered. All tribes, all colors, they gathered in one place, showing that God had the ability to command nature. If he is the creator, then creation should obey him. Is that right? We are good. Then he commanded lice to come. You see, meanwhile, the magicians of Egypt were also replicating some miracles. You do, I can do also. You put a snake, I can also do. But yours has eaten mine. Now I also made a snake, you know. They're also trying. That's a disclaimer. The kingdom of darkness can also manipulate power in a certain way. And unless the church rises to a superior power, they will laugh at us. The second, the fourth thing I see, he commanded flies to come. The fifth, now we see a distinction. He commands the Egyptian cattle alone to fall sick. What kind of bacteria can, or what kind of command can a man give that bacteria can distinguish cattle? It will come to one cow, cause sickness. It goes to another cow and says, no, this one should not be touched. Goes to another. Only the Egyptian cattle died. The cattle of the Israelites remained normal. That means that a plague can happen and you are covered. Just because something is happening does not mean you must also be included. The Bible said that only with my eyes did I behold the reward of the wicked. It did not come near to me. I saw it, but I was safe. What kind of God can command germs? You can attack this. This one you can't. And the germs must obey. The next thing I will see, we see boils showed up. There was a distinction. Hail. Locusts, darkness that could be filled. Some of us just read the Bible too quickly, but comprehend this with me. Darkness that can be filled. God was able to give something that has no weight, weight that it can be filled. How many of you, when you turn on the light, you feel, eh, the light is so heavy on me. It doesn't have weight. But God got something that did not have weight in its nature and he gave it weight. A darkness so heavy that you could feel it. And the last thing we see is there was the death of the firstborn. Death of the firstborn. Now, after delivering the nation of Israel with such a mighty hand, performing so many miracles, I want us to read Exodus 14 from verse 8 to 12. When the nation of Israel moved out of Egypt, Pharaoh had let them go. The Bible says, And the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and he pursued after the children of Israel, and the children of Israel went out with a, on a high land. But the Egyptians pursued after them all the horses and chariots of Pharaoh and his horsemen and his army and overtook them encamping by the sea beside Pihahiroth uh, before Baal-Zephon. And when Pharaoh drew nigh, the children of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians marched after them, and they were so afraid. And the children of Israel cried out unto God. Listen to what they said. They said unto Moses, Because there were no graves in Egypt, have you taken us away to die in the wilderness? Why have you dealt with us in this way, to carry us forth out of Egypt 
Is not this the word that we did tell thee in Egypt, saying that leave us alone, that we may serve as the Egyptians, that we may serve the Egyptians? For it had better been for us to serve the Egyptians than we should die in the wilderness. Many people think that when the nation of Israel went out of Egypt, they had belief. No, they actually left in unbelief. And you can write this down. It takes only one obstacle to expose what has already been in you. It takes one obstacle to expose what has already been in you. Write this second statement. Faith that isn't tested cannot be called true. Faith that isn't tested cannot be called true. Now I want you to look at this. God delivers Israel with a mighty hand. Ten miracles. As I was mentioning them were saying hallelujah. Wow. Glory to God. I believe when they saw the miracles, they said the same thing. Our God is fire. See how the Egyptian cattle has died? We serve a living God. Hallelujah. Eh, he turned water to blood? Ay, 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 ay. Our God is power. They said that with their mouth, but their hearts were hardened. A few kilometers away, as soon as they met the first obstacle, they began to tell God, Why did you take us out of Egypt? Is it that there were no graves in Egypt for us to be buried that you brought us here to die? I ask you a question. If God could turn water to blood, wouldn't the same God turn water into dry land? But they did not perceive this miracle because of the hardness of their heart. I described a hardened heart, a stony heart as dulled perception. You cannot perceive what God is doing. The Bible says in John chapter 20, from verse 30 to 31, he said, Many signs did Jesus perform in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written, that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, that believing you may have life through his name. That means that the message is greater than the miracle. Every miracle has a message it is trying to say. Every miracle has a message. There is a message written. In the miracle of the blood, there was a message written that in the wilderness, I can turn anything into anything. In the frogs and the, and the locusts and the lice were saying, I can command anything to come for my benefit. Very many of us today, God some of, you have, some of you have testimonies. At, at, at maybe four years, you survived a terrible accident. At seven years, you survived a serious surgery. By the grace of God, he provided tuition and school fees. When your father died, you went to university. And now just because a job has delayed, you now tell God, are you really God? I said many of us have stony heartitis. We, 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 have, been, we have been diagnosed. God Picked you out of your mother's womb. Some of us, they told us, we were supposed to have died when we were young. At the time of my birth, so many events happened. I was not supposed to go past. Actually, they told my, my father and mother that choose. Either the mother survives or the boy goes. You can't have both. Now, I come from this experience. My childhood was plagued with illnesses. I was a menu for sicknesses. If you want to look at typhoid, 
malaria, like all sicknesses, I had them at some point, I believe, in my childhood. I got past that. I go to campus, I go to university, and then I come to a point when I want to get married. And because I've taken long without getting married, I have the audacity to tell God, are you really God? The question God asks you is, didn't you see the messages I wrote to you three years ago? He's saying, didn't you see what I, do you think that you're here by accident? Do you think that the God that sustained you up until today, do you think he cannot bring you to a better place? You had no job. Now you have a job that gives you 600,000 and you are, you're crumbling. The same God that took you from zero to 600,000, doesn't he sustain the power to pick you from 600,000 to 4 million? Isn't it the same God? The Bible tells us, when we study about Jesus and his miracles, we we'll realize that for some reason we don't perceive the hand of God because of the hardness of our hearts. When you read Matthew 14, 15 to 21, we'll not read it now because most of us know that story. Jesus multiplies five loaves of fish, five loaves of bread, sorry, and two fish. And he feeds 5,000 and there are baskets that are left over. Praise the Lord. The, I'm sure that the, the disciples marveled. Like, wow, which kind of man is this that can multiply bread and fish? We shall follow this guy. People kept on following him everywhere just because of bread. They knew that when the Spirit of God comes upon the man of God, he may just multiply bread and we eat. So let's follow him. So they follow him. The disciples see the miracle. They marvel. Oh, Oh, you are great. Oh, you are wonderful. Just a few days later, the Bible tells us in the book of Mark 6 that he went to another place. There were now fewer people. There were 4,000 people and they had more loaves of bread. And Jesus tests them and says, what shall we do if we send these men back on their way? They will die. They said, oh, we don't know. 5,000 people, five loaves, two fish, feed the 5,000. They see God multiply. A few days later, 4,000 people, fewer people and more resources. And he asked them, attest, what shall we do? They said, oh, we, we don't know. We don't know. Mark chapter 6, 52 says, They considered not the miracle of their loves, for their hearts had been hardened. Some of you, your hearts are too hardened that you can't realize that what you have today is greater than what you had yesterday. Yesterday you had five loaves. Today you have seven. But you cannot recognize that your today is greater than your yesterday because your heart is hardened. I'm praying that God will break someone's heart this morning. We have all these different prayer requests. We have all these different things and and we tell God, God, I want this, I want that. God, my life is not progressing. God, and God is looking at you. And he say, do you not perceive? God, I want this, I want that, I want. And because our hearts are hardened, we cannot perceive the things that we are holding even now. But I pray that by the influence of the word of God, he will cause you to see what you have in your life. I'm praying right now that even as you listen to this message, may you begin to reflect, begin to read the messages that God has written all over your life. 
There's a man that said that his story is, is his story written in your life. When you look back into his story, you can see his story written on the pages of your life. Who was there in that time when you had an accident and no one thought that you'd survive? Who was there when they said that, you know, we don't have tuition for you and you'll not be able to make it? Who was there when they said that you are too poor to amount to anything in life? Now look at your life right now and compare yourself to back then. Who is it that picked you from that time and planted you here? It is a message. It is a message. Now things got worse for the nation of Israel. Some people, you may think that now when they went through the Red Sea, they were like, now God is God. We will serve him. You would think that. After grumbling, then you see the Red Sea standing and you walk on. They walked on dry land. The Bible did not say that they walked in mud. No. With their foot sipishi, those were sandals. They walked on dry land. Are you, are you understanding this miracle? When you pour water, on the ground what happens the ground becomes wet but the miracle that god performed was the red sea did not just stand end to end but the ground they walked on was dry that means that every molecule he removed the last molecule of water he pulled it out to show that what was there before can disappear like this with the hand of god and they walked on dry land and you think that they would say now we are sorted as soon as they crossed the red sea they began to murmur for bread exodus 1 16 4 bread now god we're hungry there were cucumbers and garlic but i don't know what was in the egyptian cucumbers and garlic but those cucumbers caused problems there were cucumbers and fruit salad in egypt now we're hungry. Give us bread. God gives them bread. They, they keep quiet for some time. Exodus 17 to 9. They now begin to cry for water. Now we have bread, but the bread is dry. We want water. <laughs> they cry. Moses, that, that, that was at Meribah. Moses now performs a miracle. Water comes out. Now Moses climbs up Sinai to get the law. The Bible says in Exodus 32 verse 10, they now, the gold that God had blessed them with, they used that very gold to make a calf and worship it. God blessed them. Some of you may not like what I'm going to say. But God blessed them. With the very blessings that God had given them, they made those blessings an idol. And that idol eventually became a curse. Are you seeing the pattern? God blesses you. The blessing becomes an idol. And because it's an idol, the idol becomes a curse. God delivered them out of Egypt, not as poor people. They were a wealthy nation. The kids had earrings of gold, necklaces of gold. Like, you had to find a way to carry the gold. You put some in your pocket here. You wear some. You put a golden headband. I think if you wear, put golden anklets, golden belt. They had, it was so much gold. Now, with this heavy blessing, they now use the blessing to make the image of a fallen God. They depart to Horeb for a three days journey and they provoke God at that time. Now they're like, God, we are tired of bread. Told him, man shall not live on bread alone. Now we want meat.
Like my my guy, we, we will not live on bread. We are not vegetarians. We want meat. I'll see a pastor said amen. We want meat. I think I would also say that. I think honestly I would. But we have eaten bread. Now we want meat. God is like Naimwe. He tells them you will eat meat until it comes out of your ears. Give the... <laughs> so much meat. The meat became a plague. From that they go on to Hazaroth. And the Bible tells us that now God commanded them to go straight into the promised land. Those that may not know. They reached uh, there's a place called Kadesh Baniya that was in the outskirts of the promised land. And God, they reached there in a, a number of days, maybe 11, at most 15 days. They had already reached the outskirts of the promised land. Moses tells them, it says that, uh, he said, Ye are come unto the mountain of the Amorites, which the Lord our God does give unto us. Behold, the Lord thy God has set the land before thee. Go and possess it. But the people proposed to Moses to send spies. To account of the land and of its inhabitants. Can you imagine that? For over 430, 40 years. You've heard of the promise that God will deliver us and take us to a promised land. God will deliver us and take us to a promised land. There was a man called Joseph, a man of faith, who said that I may die. But he gave instruction concerning his bones. That I know my God is faithful. When you move out of the land, bury me in the promised land. Bible says that by faith, Joseph gave instruction of his bones. He said, I may not live long enough to see that day, but I know my God is faithful. When you move out of the land, carry my bones, bury me in the promised land. It's the generation that was there. They had the privilege to actually be alive and they did not believe it. They reached the promised land and they sent spies first. They did not look at the credibility of the one that had sent them. God told them, go up, take that land. They said, first wait. God, you may not have done surveillance. Let us first survey. He said, I've given you the land. I said, God, now, for us, we are militant, we're a militant nation. Let us first do prayer walk. It's okay to call it prayer walk. Like that was not an insult to God's credit. It's like a rich man. Understand this with me. It's like a rich man telling you, go in my parking lot. Pick any car that's yours. I'll give it to you. Pick any car you want. It's yours. And you say, ah, let me first check your account balance. That's an insult. Are you with me? He says, out of the 50 cars I have, pick any car you want. It's yours. Ah, now, first show me your account balance. God told them, pick the land. They said, now, let's send 12 spies. Nachigumira agamba ize. Mugaga Nagamba is it's okay. To make things worse, they go in the land, they come back, whoa, 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 whoa. what they call exaggeration. They are big men, they have 24 packs. What? 24 packs. The other ones can carry trees, like there's exaggeration there. And guess what? They spread the evil report and they conspired amidst themselves to go back to Egypt. That was the last blow. God said, I swear upon myself, none of you will enter the promise. None of you. Apart from Joshua, Caleb, when we now perish. And he said, now go. And that is how a simple day's journey, God multiplied every day. Every day became a year. 40 days became 40 years. 
That is how Christians remain in cycles, just because of hardness of heart. You remain in a cycle. What was supposed to take you two months has taken two years because of the hardness of your heart. You reached your promise. You reached the place, the thing that God had promised you to do. And because your heart was too hardened, you refused to enter therein. And that is why you're in a cycle right now. You're in a wilderness. Some wildernesses, are led. we are led into by the Holy Spirit. Some wildernesses we are led into because of unbelief. Are you with me this morning? The Bible tells us that Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Some of us enter there because of unbelief. Because you have refused, first sort yourself there. God, I want this. God, now you reach the places, enter therein. Now, God, I feel I'm too young. He said, No, you'll do this, you'll do that. I'll satisfy you early. I'll bless you. I'll enlarge your tent. That's your prayer, even. Mukama, use me. Nyambanga, Charlie Muto. God blesses you. God, I'm too young. I have a question for you. Why would you refuse to serve God with so much evidence of his goodness in your life? I was praying this message. God asked me the same question. Why would I refuse to serve God with so much evidence of his goodness in my life? There is no one that has little evidence of God's goodness. I promise you. It is only hard and it's only a stony heart that will cause you to think that there is no evidence. But every single man and woman here has enough evidence to show the goodness of God. With all that evidence, why wouldn't you serve him? Why wouldn't you give your heart to him? Why wouldn't you devote your life to him? Praise the Lord. It's a heart issue. Write this down. It is a heart issue. It is a heart issue. I marveled when I was reading the story of Gideon, um, as accounted in Judges chapter 6, 7 onwards. How God wanted to use him to fight the Midianites. And he had an army of 32,000 men. Someone said 32,000 men. Then God told him that your army is too big. So this thing shocked me. He said in Judges 7 verse 3, he said, Therefore go, proclaim in the ears of the people, saying, Whosoever is fearful and afraid, let him return and depart. Listen, 22,000 men returned. The man had 32 guys. Like, we are 32,000. Meanwhile, 22,000 guys didn't want to be there. 22,000 men had dressed up, had put on nice shoes for battle, had polished, the, had, had sharpened their swords. They were first, on first level, they were battle ready, but in their hearts, they didn't want to be there. You are just there. Looking around, hey, hey, my daughter, my baby, oh, oh. he didn't want to be there. As soon as God told Gideon, tell them that you don't have to be, oh, thank you, boss. Likewise, God does not want you to be coming to church just because it's Sunday. God doesn't want you to just attend service because you're a minister and ministers should be around church. God wants you to attend service because you love his presence. The Bible says that in your presence there's fullness of joy. At your right hand there are pleasures. He wants a man that will say in your presence there's fullness, not joy. 
fullness of joy. That means when I'm in your presence, I find the full expression of joy. You don't come because it's Sunday. God is telling us that if only you allow my word to cause you to have hearts that are on fire for me. God wants our hearts to burn for him. But you come to church not because they're dragging you there, but because you want to be there. The psalmist said, I was glad when they said, let's go to the house of the Lord. I was glad. We said, let's pray. I was glad. Let's worship. I was glad. Let us have an extended time of worship. I was, oh, extended time of worship. I love it. There are some things that God will tolerate because of ignorance. But a time comes when sufficient evidence has been presented to a man to choose. There are things that God will, will overlook because of ignorance. But a time comes in the life of a man when sufficient evidence has been provided for them to believe. And that's why God hated the Pharisees so much because they knew he was God. They knew. When you read John chapter 3, Nicodemus comes by night and says, We know that thou art a man come from God, because no one can do these miracles except God be with him. They said, We, who are the we? The Pharisees, they knew. Said, We know. So they were talking. Man, have you seen that man of God called Jesus? Man, guy on your fire. He was in the temple. As he spoke, demons just started crying, shouting and what? Hey, man, that guy might be the Messiah. He's the one. He's a... But on the outside, they resisted the truth. It was so bad that even when he cast out spirits, they said that's an evil spirit. And Jesus was so upset. He said, how dare you call the Holy Spirit the spirit of Beelzebub? How dare you? So there are certain things that God will allow because we don't know. But the life, you come to a point in life when God knows that sufficient evidence has been provided to you. He says in Matthew eleven twenty to 21, he says, Woe unto you, Chorazin, woe unto thee, Bethsaida, if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented. He goes on to say, um, unto Capernaum, thou hast been exalted to heaven and shall be brought down to hell. If the mighty works which were done in you were done in Sodom, it would have remained until today. Are you understanding what Jesus was saying? That the miracles that have been provided unto you, they reach a certain threshold that a man can decide. And he said that if these had been done in Sodom, they would have repented. So who are you with all the signs not to believe? Praise the Lord. God is seeking for a man that will rise up like Paul and say that I am persuaded that nothing can separate me from the love of God. Paul said that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor power, nor things in present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nothing, no creature shall separate me from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus. Paul was saying even if angel Gabriel came and told me God does not love you, he would be a liar. I know God loves me. Paul was persuaded. He was beyond telling him, ah, give me a sign. You see, God wants us to move from the realm of show me a sign to the realm of reality. That even if there's no sign, you'll still believe that God is that thing. Paul said, I am persuaded. I am persuaded. Listen, he said, no angel. Even if an angel, even if angel Michael came down in power and said, thou Paul is hatest by God. In, in King James Version, he would say, Olimba. 
Are you with me? How many of you get that message? An angel appears to you in the morning and says, You are not loved by God. You say, Nage Mukambira Nachimanya. Paul looked at his life and said that I was the guy that used to kill people. I was the guy that hated the things of God. But on my way to Damascus, I met a bright light. His name was Jesus. And he said that you're going to serve me. That God. So whether they beat him, he said, no, I'm loved. They put him in chains, I'm loved. They said that this man is going up to Jerusalem in chains. He would die. He said, I'll go. It's okay. He does not take anything from me. My God loves me. In death, in life, in height, in depth. When my life is high, he loves me. When my life is low, he loves me. When I have money, he loves me. When I don't have money, he loves me. It is not based on the sign. It is my reality. And God wants every single man and woman this morning to come to that place. Come to that place. God wants to take away our hearts of stone. The last thing I want to share, I need to skip a few because of time. But our relationship with God depends on the state of our hearts. And you can write that down. Our relationship with God depends on the state of our hearts. The Bible tells us in the book of Proverbs chapter 4, I believe, that out of the heart are the issues of life. Which means that your heart sets the foundation for everything in life. If you have a heart of stone, that is how you're going to relate with God. When they say, lift up your hands and worship him. Because of that heart, it will affect the way you relate with him. How do they say, give Jesus a shout of praise and you're yawning? There's some things that eat me. Let me tell you, standing on this pulpit is a very difficult thing. There are times when I stand here and I feel like I'm going to explode. Because of, there's a burden that God puts on you. You say, lift up your hands and worship God. And you see a man looking outside at the cars that are alarming. But there's a man whose heart has been set on fire for God. Let me tell you something. There are songs that will not make sense to you unless you know God a certain way. Some of us, our worship travels farther than our hearts and God does not need that. If he does not have your heart, he does not want your worship. Let me say it again very clearly. If God does not have your heart, he does not want your worship. He told the Israelites, that these people worship me, but their hearts are far away from me. I don't need that. He wants your heart first before your giving. He wants your heart first before your worship. You cannot say, uh, you're all I want, you're all I ever needed, when your heart does not part for him. Of course that song won't make sense to you. Many of us are very cold when it comes to the things of God. It comes to prayer. You're very cold. And I can tell you I was there before. There's a time when they would say, let's come for family devotion. They would drag us out of our rooms. But they pull you by the leg with fuluma. You're on your phone like this. Or there'll be times that Arsenal and Man City and all these teams will be playing. You're seeing Jerry Henry and what? And then Musei takes off the TV. Boom. Time to pray. And you want to climb on the man and strangle him. Who are you to separate me from Thierry Henry? 
They're like, maybe we'll finish early and catch the match. Wow, the spirit moves. I feel, let us pray for cousins. Let us pray for relatives. Let us pray for uncle. Let us pray for auntie. Let us pray for housemaid. Let's pray. Let, next thing you know, it is 10. I look at him like this. says, good night, Jonathan. Good night. But that's how I was. I was called to the things of God. But now when they say, let's pray. I say, how long? How long are we going to pray? Let's worship. How long? Because that is the state of my heart. You have to come to that place. Jesus is invited into the house of a Pharisee called Simon. They welcome him in a laser fairway. Post Jangu, Tulao. Give him a plate of food. With that invitation, a woman comes a certain way. A known prostitute. But she walks past everyone. Goes to his feet. Breaks open an expensive perfume. Puts it on his feet. Begins to wash his feet with her tears. Begins to wipe his feet with her hair. And everyone is disgusted. Don't you know Jesus that this is a prostitute? Don't you know that this woman has been sleeping with man after man? Are you truly a man of God? How can a prostitute sit at your feet? And he said, this woman has welcomed me better than any of you. When I came here, you didn't even give me water to wash my feet. But this woman does not cease to wash my feet with her tears. That is the impact of her heart that has been softened by the influence of God. That is the impact of her heart that knows the God that picked her from that place. She had a place with God and said, I must break open my box to him. Whether you look at me or not, whether you shout or not, whether you ridicule me or not, this is my sacrifice to him. You don't know where I've been with my God. That's a heart that has been touched. Thank you for listening. We hope that you've been strengthened with his might and fortified by the word of God. Please make sure to like, follow, and subscribe to our Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube pages at Full Gospel Map. Goodbye.